You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, I assume there's some people out there listening to the show today, and I appreciate you doing it. Of course, it's the day before Christmas Eve, so it's a big last-minute shopping day. I actually got all my shopping done early this year, so I'm not having to run around today and, and tomorrow and pick up last-minute items. Well, we're going to be going to Ruston, Louisiana, uh, to spend Christmas with my youngest son and my daughter and my daughter-in-law and my grandson. Uh, my youngest boy is a uh, Blackhawk helicopter pilot who currently works full-time for the National Guard. And then my oldest boy and his wife are in Germany, and he hasn't been home for Christmas and about eight years now. Uh, he's been spent so much of his time in combat zones for so many years. And four tours in Afghanistan, two in Iraq, and about three or four years ago, he came home on leave from Afghanistan, and he lived in the Phoenix, Arizona area at the time. And he uh, invited me and some friends of his to come out and go on a hunting Adventure basically at a, a hunting camp where we could hunt for pheasants and this sort of thing uh, in the mountains outside of Phoenix. While we were there, he told me something that was frightening. He said that he had been in Afghanistan. This was his second tour, and or maybe third tour, and he saw us snatching. Defeat from the jaws of victory. He said that President Obama had put so many rules of engagement on our troops that they could no longer effectively fight the Taliban and that all the work they had done in driving the Taliban out of Afghanistan, all of the efforts that had been made, all the lives that had been lost, all the men and women who had been wounded, were going to go for naught. He said that Afghanistan was was doomed because of the policies of Barack Obama. And now his prophecy is becoming true because we can see what's happening in Afghanistan. The Taliban is getting stronger. They killed six American servicemen and women just yesterday with a suicide bomb right outside of Bagram Air Force Base, which is our really where most of our troops are stationed now. And they are basically about to take over several provinces in Afghanistan, all because of the policies of this administration to not fight a war that will really do damage to our enemies. The same philosophy was adopted by Obama in Iraq. We withdrew from Iraq, did not leave any troops behind. He was not able to negotiate or didn't even try to negotiate a deal with the Iraqis to provide security forces left there. So part of Iraq has now fallen to ISIS. And more of it is going to fall. 
I mean, there are efforts being made right now to, to take back part of it. But we don't know if they're going to be successful because American troops are not really involved. And so all the lives we lost in Iraq have basically been lost for nothing. All the lives lost in Afghanistan have been lost for nothing. We now, as a country, find ourselves in a greater security threat than right after 9-11, when President George Bush launched the attack on Afghanistan, which is where al-Qaeda had its training camps, and we took the, the, the country away from the Taliban. We now face the threat of ISIS, a resurgent al-Qaeda, other terrorist groups around the world who are intent on killing Americans. We've had the worst attack on our soil, on our country, the San Bernardino, the worst attack since 9-11, and we can expect more to come. We don't have any leadership anymore. Our leadership is willing to, to lead. We have a military that's been cut to the bone because of Obama and because of the Congress. We don't have a strong military presence anywhere. We are not trusted by our allies anywhere. I mean, remember Syria and that red line that was drawn by Obama? Assad was told that if you use chemical weapons against your own people, that is a red line that you will not be allowed to cross. We will come after you. What happened? On two occasions at least, he used chemical weapons against his own people. And what did Obama do? Nothing. In fact, he relied on the Russians to say that, well, what we'll do is we'll take those chemical weapons and we'll store them and we won't let Assad have them anymore. There was no verification that that was ever done. Obama said, well, that's fine. You know, leave, leave me out of it. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not interested in protecting America. I'm not in, interested in protecting anybody but myself and the liberal Democrats who want to destroy this country. So we have a deteriorating situation in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Syria, in Lebanon, and in Libya. Now, Libya, the president so very proactive in that one, encouraged the taking out of uh, Gaddafi. And Gaddafi had been responsible for terrorism around the world, including the Lockerbie, Scotland you know, airplane crash that was actually a bomb. Uh, sponsored by the terrorists. And as a result of some of his actions, Ronald Reagan had basically bombed him into submission. Gaddafi was no longer a threat to the United States. But Gaddafi was removed as part of the so-called Arab Spring. But then nothing was done to stabilize the situation in Libya. And we had and a U.S. ambassador and three other Americans killed in a terrorist attack. A terrorist attack that the Obama administration initially 
denied was, in fact, a terrorist attack. They claimed it was in response to a video, anti-Muslim video, that had been put out on YouTube, and that this had caused the attack. Well, we know that was a lie. We know they knew that was, that was a lie. But that was the, this was before the election, when Obama in 2012, when Obama was trying to get reelected. So he lied, Susan Rice lied, Hillary Clinton lied. Hillary Clinton is responsible for setting up this attack for all intents and purposes. We had an ambassador over there in a country where the British ambassador, there had already been an attempted assassination attempt on a British ambassador. There had already been an attempted bombing of the American consulate in Benghazi. The ambassador had called for more security. Instead of providing more security for the ambassador, Clinton pulled two-thirds of the security he had. They originally had 14 special ops people assign security for the ambassador. That was cut down to four. Some people, British contractors, were hired to provide other security. But there were just a couple of them, and they were told by Clinton that they could carry weapons, but they couldn't have ammunition in those weapons. Talk about political correctness running amok. In any case, we have lost American lives in Benghazi, and that has been covered up and lied about for years. We have a situation where we are embracing our enemies and throwing our friends under the bus. We have a real terrorist threat in this country right now. And Obama wants to bring in thousands of Syrian refugees. They cannot be vetted. Both the head of the FBI and the National Security Agency have said they have no way of finding out who these people are, whether or not they have connections to terrorist organizations like al-Qaeda or ISIS, because we just don't have the capability. There's no records available in Syria to find out who these people are. We already know that some of the people involved in the terrorist attack in Paris had in fact come in to Europe using false passports. Now Obama's essentially saying, let's do the same thing here. Let's let these people in, unvetted, and settle them wherever we want to settle them, whether the cities or the states where they're going to be settled want them or not. We're going to put them in this country we're going to do 10,000 next year, although now the figure seems to have climbed to 75 to 100,000. And we're going to let them collect welfare. They will be provided with free housing, free education, free food, free medical care, just like the people that are crossing the border from Mexico illegally. And by the way, that includes a lot of people coming in from Yemen and Syria and Somalia, places like that. So we have a really bad situation developing here. And it's just going to get worse. 
we're not securing our southern border. I live in Texas. I can tell you our border is wide open, but it is an utter disaster, and it's going to get worse. We have more people coming in, particularly so-called undocumented children. And I've seen some of these children. The federal government is labeling anybody after 23 years old as children. They're gang members coming in. They're being dumped in the state of Texas. And we basically are required to take care of them. We don't know who they are. We don't know what connections they have. We have Obama releasing thousands of illegals in this country who have committed crimes, releasing them from prison. So things are going to get worse. We can talk more about this after the break. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. I'm Pat Rulo, and I'd like to invite you to listen to my show, Speak Up and Stay Alive, Patient Safety Radio, now on America's Web Radio, every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. following the Doctor's Lounge. Find out how you can stay safe during every healthcare or hospital encounter. We go where mainstream stops. Join me Thursday or listen to my podcasts on americaswebradio.com. For more information, visit speakupandstayalive.com. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. So we have a wide open border, both our southern and northern border, border by the way, because now the Canadian government, the new Canadian prime minister, who is a far left guy like Obama has decided to bring in thousands of unvetted Syrian refugees and refugees from other Middle Eastern countries into Canada, which is already basically being overrun by the Muslim population. They're going to bring them in, and of course, there's not any real security that keeps them from crossing the Canadian border and the United States. So once again, we're in a position of open borders. Potential terrorists coming in, both legally and illegally. And nothing is really being done to protect our country. In fact, and I heard about this yesterday and was just uh, stunned, but I shouldn't have been because this is typical of the Obama administration. 
and the leftists. Congress, as a result of the attacks on San Bernardino, and the fact that the female involved could come in on a fiancé visa, had not been vetted, not really been looked at, had been maybe asked a couple of questions like, are you a terrorist? Do you plan on engaging in terrorist acts in the United States? That's what these people are being asked when they're being asked anything at all. Now, if you're a potential terrorist and you're coming in the United States to commit an act of terrorism and you're applying for a visa and some bureaucrat, and by the way, most of the people who are doing the questioning and the vetting here are independent contractors from the countries involved. They're not even American citizens. They don't work for the State Department directly. But if you're a potential terrorist and you ask those questions, are you going to say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've committed acts of terrorism around the world, and I plan on doing the same as soon as I get to the United States? How stupid can we be? So Congress passed a law overwhelmingly, and Obama signed it because he didn't have any choice. It basically would have been, his veto would have been overridden, which tightened up the controls on visas for people coming into this country and basically said that some countries like Iran nobody could really get a visa to come into this country unless they were thoroughly vetted no sooner had the ink dried on Obama's signature on this than the Secretary of State wrote a letter to the Iranians essentially apologizing for what the Congress had done and saying that they were going to make sure, they being the Obama administration, that this law could be ignored by the Iranians. That, ladies and gentlemen, is treason. We've already seen acts of treason committed by this government, by our own government, involving Iran. We saw the nuclear treaty reach with Iran, which, by the way, they've already violated several terms of that, in addition to violating U.N. prohibitions against testing ballistic missiles and that sort of thing. They're thumbing their nose at us, and particularly at Obama. We basically signed a treaty with them in which we gave them the store. All sanctions were canceled on them. Billions of dollars were going to be turned over to them so they could continue financing terrorism around the world. They were supposedly prohibited for 10 years from developing nuclear weapons, but they're allowed to inspect their own facilities. And we just had the most recent inspection report come in from a military base where the Iranians would not allow inspectors to come in we allowed them to inspect it themselves, and they came out and said, oh, yeah, we're not doing anything from here. Move on, nothing to see here. And we did. They pulled Obama's strings, and Obama moved on. And now we're actually working with the Iranians to allow them to send people to this country without meeting the new legal requirements on getting visas. This is blatant and open treason. I don't know if any other way to describe it. 
We've had treason in this country, and treason is defined in the Constitution as providing aid and comfort to the enemy. We've had treason committed by Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, who now may be our next president of the United States, despite the fact that she's lied, cheated, and sold throughout her political career. She consistently has lied since she's been Secretary of State. She used her position as Secretary of State to gain political influence and financial support from foreign countries for her and her husband's so-called foundation. She traded favors as Secretary of State for contributions, monetary contributions to her foundation. We suspect that she's getting political contributions as, as well. And, of course, that is against federal law. But since when do the Clintons obey any law other than their own? She is responsible for a great deal of what has happened in this country, what's going wrong. Donald Trump says she's responsible for the loss of hundreds of thousands of lives. That may be an exaggeration, but not by much. The fact of the matter is, is that her policies and Obama's policies in dealing with the Middle East have always kowtowed to the Muslim community. And that's what they're doing now. We just had 14 Americans killed in a jihadist attack by two Muslims, one of whom was here in this country on a visa. 14 Americans killed. And the first thing Loretta Lynn, the, the new attorney general, which was only, only allowed to get in to the position of attorney general because 10 Republican senators decided to vote with the Democrats to allow her. Her first reaction to the terrorist attack is to say that she is going to prosecute anybody who criticizes the Muslim religion if she decides that they are, the criticism makes it unsafe for Muslims. She said her highest priority, her highest concern, after the San Bernardino attacks, was not finding out who else might have been involved or finding out if there were other attacks that were going to take place or finding out what foreign connections there were. Her highest priority was protecting the Muslim community from having anybody say bad things about them. That seems to have been the highest priority for the Obama administration all along. Let's take ISIS. After the attacks in San Bernardino and Paris, Obama didn't come out with any new strategy to defeat ISIS. We're doing the same thing we've been doing. We're launching mostly ineffective airstrikes against ISIS positions. We're bombing empty pickup trucks, We're bombing empty buildings. Obama didn't want to kill anybody, particularly ISIS fighters, apparently. The restrictions on our military, I mean, we know where ISIS has its training camps. 
in Syria and Iraq. But our military has been ordered not to bomb those training camps because there might be some civilians in the area. Of course there's civilians in the area. That's what ISIS does. They hide behind the civilian population. They, as are most Muslim terrorists, pretty much cowards. They're very good at killing women and children, innocent women and children. They're even better at using innocent women and children to hide behind. And Obama's letting them do it. We are not effectively striking ISIS. And the president has no plans to do so. We are going to see more attacks in this country. And I hope we're not going to see any between before the end of the year. But I'm afraid that there are probably some being planned out there by ISIS for the holidays. And we're not doing anything effective to stop them. I mean, our FBI agents are working as hard as they can, but there are not enough of them. The Department of Homeland Security had much of its budget for defending the homeland diverted to help put on the fast track people in this country, immigrants who are here legally, put them on the fast track to get citizenship and get them registered to vote so they can vote in the 2016 election. We have Obama's amnesty to millions of people who have broken our laws and come in here illegally. And I'm proud to say that the United States Justice Foundation is continuing in that fight against those laws. We joined with Texas and the other states in filing an amicus brief in the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals after a federal judge in Texas had ruled that the amnesty was illegal and unconstitutional. And in the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, we won twice on that issue. And now we're preparing to fight the Supreme Court, to the Supreme Court accept the Obama administration's plea to allow the amnesty to stand. Of course, with everything else that Obama does, he didn't care what the courts do, do. He doesn't care what the Congress does. He's going to do his own thing. He considers himself a dictator. In the same mold as Adolf Hitler, Fidel Castro, Joseph Stalin, Mao Zedong, he considers himself a dictator. He is not fighting for this country. He's fighting to destroy this country. He basically said he was going to do that when he was running for president in 2008. He was going to fundamentally change America. And he's doing that. And Hillary Clinton, if she's elected, will continue in the mold. So we have terrorist sympathizers in our own government. We have people in our own government who are committing acts of treason. Only a few of us are standing up and talking about this. And as far as our attorney general goes, I will do whatever I want and say whatever I want to defend our country. 
And if that includes insulting the Muslim religion, which I don't consider really to be a religion at all, but more political force, then I will do that. And I will continue to fight to keep refugees or Muslim immigrants from coming into this country illegally or coming in without being vetted. I will continue to criticize the so-called moderate Muslim leadership that doesn't do anything or rarely says anything opposing the terrorism. So the Attorney General can come after me if she wants. I don't care. Let's take our second break now. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Webradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. You know, when it comes to fighting terrorism, another problem we have in this country is the bias of the left-wing media. They don't want to say anything bad about Muslims. They don't want to say anything bad about jihadists. They don't want to say anything bad about Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama or John Kerry. They want to protect them. So we have the media out there right after the San Bernardino attacks. A reporter from CNN was interviewing the wife of one of the victims, a man who was a Hasidic Jew, which meant he believes in Jesus Christ, and was not shy about saying he was, and was not shy about arguing with Siad Fahoud over the Muslim religion and whether or not it was a peaceful religion. The CNN reporter, along with a reporter of the New York Times, or the New York Daily News, I should say, strongly suggested that that man had caused the attack to take place, and that the terrorist attack was not the fault of, of the jihadists, was not the fault of the Muslims. It was the fault of this man for standing up for what he believed. This was basically the philosophy of a lot of the national news media. The President of the United States, Hillary Clinton, all came out immediately following the attacks and did not attack Islamic jihadists, didn't even use the word Islamic jihadist, or words Islamic jihadist terrorism. They came out instead and called for gun control. Disarm honest American citizens, and that will stop terrorism. Yeah, right. The response of the American people was pretty overwhelming. 
thousands of people went out and bought firearms. Why? Because we're tired of being the Second Amendment being assaulted, and we now are beginning to understand that our government is not going to protect us. That we need to be armed and protect our own homes and our own families. Because we cannot rely on the federal government to protect us anymore. The protection of American citizens, the defense of the United States, is not a priority of this administration. The opposite is true. And the media is complicit in this. Some of the reporting from the national news media has has gotten beyond the pale. They are so intent on pushing their agenda to destroy the U.S. Constitution, to destroy the First Amendment, to destroy the Second Amendment. They're so intent on pushing that agenda that nothing else matters to them. And that includes the safety of you and I and our families and our homes. We need to realize that. The national news media, for the most part, is in Obama's pocket. They're in the pocket of the progressives. They are no longer an independent organization that was supposedly protected by the First Amendment, so it could be a watchdog over the government. See, this is something a lot of people don't understand. The Bill of Rights, the first ten amendments to the Constitution, has a preamble. Now, most of us are familiar, at least us older folks, because I don't think they teach the young, young folks anything at all about the Constitution in most places. But most of us are familiar with the preamble to the Constitution. Because I don't know about you, but I had to memorize that when I was in school. I had to stand up in front of the class and recite it. But most people are not aware that there's also a preamble to the Bill of Rights. And if you want to see that preamble, one of the things you can do is order a copy of my little booklet called Our Constitution. It's 77 pages long, it's pocket-sized. And basically I take each article, each section, each amendment to the Constitution... And I put them in the way they were originally written. And then I put in my comments about what they actually mean. And some people are frankly aghast when they read it. For example, people say, we did not know until we read your booklet that the phrase separation of church and state is not in the Constitution. It's used by the courts, it's used by the left wing, it's used by the liberals to justify trying to shut down our Judeo-Christian heritage in this country to stop us from celebrating Christmas, to stop us from celebrating our heritage and our religion, because of the so-called separation of church and state, which is not in the Constitution, has never been in the Constitution. That phrase was contained in a letter written by Thomas Jefferson when he was president of the United States, and a religious group was having an internal dispute among his members, and they asked him to mediate. And he wrote him back and he said, that's not proper for the federal government to do that. That would be trying to establish a religion, and we're not allowed to do that. There has to be separation of church and state. 
And that's what the First Amendment of the Constitution says. It doesn't say anything about freedom from religion. It says freedom of religion. And in my little booklet, you have the preamble to the Bill of Rights, which basically is a warning, a shot fired across the bow of the newly formed federal government that said these rights are not given to us, to the people, by the federal government. Because if we acknowledge that the federal government gave us those rights, we're also acknowledging that they can take away those rights. So these are not rights that are being given by the federal government to us. These are God-given rights. And you, the federal government, cannot mess with those rights. You cannot destroy the First Amendment. You cannot destroy the Second Amendment. You cannot destroy any of the amendments. They are set in stone. Yet that's exactly what our government is trying to do, to destroy the Bill of Rights, to destroy the Second and First Amendments, to destroy the Fourth Amendments. I mean, we see it all the time with the United States Justice Foundation with the veterans we're working with, how they're being denied in order to disarm them. They're being denied not only their Second Amendment rights, but also their Fourth Amendment rights, uh, protecting them from illegal searches and seizures, their Fifth Amendment rights to due process, under the law, all these are being taken away from our veterans in this country. And now they're going to start doing the same thing to Social Security recipients. And who's next? Well, you got student loan guaranteed by the federal government? Then you're vulnerable also. So they're going after the Constitution. And this is going to continue. And news media for the most part, is complicit in this. Oh, yeah, they pay lip service to freedom of the press. But their view is that freedom of the press only means that if you agree with their liberal causes, then you have freedom to express it. Then you have freedom of speech and freedom of the press to write about it, to broadcast it. I don't have that freedom, according to them, because I'm not politically correct. I don't say the things that they want me to say. I don't do the things they want me to do. I say it like it is. I talk about the threats to our country. I talk about them. I talk about Obama. And I can't tell you how many times I've been called a racist and threatened and everything else online or daring to criticize Obama. I don't care what color the man is. I care about what he's trying to do in the United States of America. I'm going to be called sexist, I'm sure, for opposing Hillary Clinton as President of the United States. That has nothing to do with her sex. That has to do with her and Obama and their belief system and the fact that they are openly committing treason against this country, against the people of this country, and they're getting Americans killed abroad and in this country because of what they're doing. I'm tired of the political correctness nonsense. And I mean, look at, you know, they've, they've been doing surveys among college students, like at Yale. And these people are, are, you know, so ignorant that they are willingly signing a petition to abolish freedom of speech. 
to abolish the First Amendment. Why? Because they don't want to be offended. They don't want you and I to be say something that they don't want to hear. Well, tough. I will say what I want to say. And if they're going to shut me down, they're going to have to come at me. Come and get me. Because I am not going to be politically correct. I have no intention of ever being politically correct. I'm going to talk about the things that are threatening this country, and I'm going to talk about the people that are threatening this country. And ignoramuses like those on those college campuses, the administrators and everything are saying, oh, we're going to establish safe zones for you poor little crybabies. If somebody says something that you don't want to hear, we're going to establish a safe zone where you can run and hide and where no free speech will be allowed. Well, how long is it going to come be before all the camp, the entire camps is a safe zone? Some of them already are. Conservative organizations are not allowed to form on some campuses. They're not being given chartered. If they are chartered and allowed to form, they're harassed. They try to run them out of business. They can't say things. They can't do certain things. They can't, for example, bring Bibles and hand them out on the campus. Of course, we can't even do that in the, in the Veterans Administration hospitals. So I'm not politically correct, and I don't intend to be politically correct. And I'm tired of those politicians, both Republicans and Democrats, who are. Big victory in court yesterday when these, the Court of Appeals ruled that the uh, Washington Redskins cannot be denied a patent or copyright on their name for merchandise purposes, can't be denied that by the federal government because that violates freedom of speech. Yeah, it sure does. And see, this is a good example of political correctness, is the uh, so-called Native Americans who demand that nothing be done, that their images not be used, that their names not be used, nothing can be done that they might offend them. Well, to begin with, most of the American Indians, and that's what most of them call themselves, I, I've been involved with American Indians for years, working with the Boy Scouts of America. I was in the Order of the Arrow. I sponsored, a, our troops sponsored a dance team, an Indian dance team that performed all over the, uh, the state of Louisiana and actually went to powwows around the country and competed against Indian dance teams and sometimes were very successful. We were always honored by being part of the American Indian culture. And at these powwows, and I continue to go some, to some of them occasionally today, you hardly ever hear the American Indians there refer to themselves as Native Americans. They call themselves Indians. They call themselves American Indians. In fact, at one point I was admonished by a group of young Cherokees in uh, North Carolina when I inadvertently, and this was right after the term became popular, I inadvertently used the term Native Americans, and they said, we're not Native Americans. We don't like that term. That's why we are, first of all, Americans, and then we're Cherokees, 
And as far as we're concerned, the only Native Americans are the buffalo. Well, that pretty much put me in my place. Let's take our final break now. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Something else I want to talk about today is uh, the situation we have in the Congress right now. I personally I have been a registered Republican since, well, even before I was able to register to vote. Uh, my first participation in politics was when I was 16 years old in 1964. I was the Central Mississippi chairman for the Barry Goldwater for President campaign. Sounds impressive, doesn't it? 16 years old, Central Mississippi chairman. Well, in Mississippi back in those days, there were only three Republicans in the entire state, and only two of them were old enough to vote. So that pretty much made me Central Mississippi chairman by default because we divided up among the three of us. And we did work for some of the vote. And it was uh, quite a learning experience for me, I guess, is the way I to put it. And I got involved in politics and ever since. I got involved in campus politics. I was head of the Young Republicans and at LSU for several years. I was head of the Young Americans for Freedom. Then I became state chairman for Young Americans for Freedom and then the national secretary for Young Americans for Freedom. Conservative politics all my life. I have been involved in defending this country and pushing for America to be strong again. I don't like what I see in the current Republican Party. We have, the American people, conservatives, have given two major victories of victories the Republican Party. In 2010, we took control of the House of Representatives away from Democrats. In 2014, we took control of the United States Senate away from Democrats and elected even more Republicans to the House of Representatives. 
The problem is, all the promises that were made to us by a lot of these Republicans are not come forth. The omnibus budget passed by this Congress, written in secret, most members of Congress didn't even read this thing. It's $1.1 trillion budget. Planned Parenthood is fully funded. The visa program for bringing in Syrian refugees is fully funded. Obama's amnesty program is fully funded. Basically, they didn't do anything. They could have stopped this in the United States Senate. They could have stood up to Obama. But yeah, what what they were afraid of was, well, if we pass something that Obama doesn't like, he will shut down the federal government and we'll take the blame. How does that work? Are the American people really that stupid? Well, some of them are. That Congress passes a budget, Obama vetoes a budget, the government shuts down, therefore it is the fault of Congress for passing a budget that Obama didn't like. That's dictatorship. And that's exactly what Obama has running here, is a dictatorship. The United States Senate, they're not even putting a fight anymore. The Republicans in the Congress, both houses, blatantly violated the United States Constitution when they allowed Obama to bring the Iranian treaty to the floor of the Congress for a vote of no. And that was the only thing they could vote, way they could vote. They could vote against the treaty, but they weren't allowed really to vote for the treaty because of the fact that the Constitution of the United States requires that any treaty signed by the president before it can go into effect must be ratified by two-thirds majority of the Senate. Obama was given a free pass on that, just like he's been given a free pass on the Small Arms Treaty, the U.S. Small Arms Treaty. He didn't admit that's a treaty, but he won't bring it to the vote of the Senate because he knows it will be defeated. So he's going ahead and going to implement it. And that's what we're going to see probably by around the end of the year. It's a bunch of illegal, unconstitutional gun control measures that Obama's going to sign into law on his own. And there go, a lot of them are going to be to comply with the United Nations Treaty, which has never been ratified and he didn't intend to have ratified. The climate change agreement that recently was signed that's a treaty. That's not being brought to the Senate. Why? Well, the Senate's caved. Mitch McConnell has told Obama, "That's all right. We don't. We don't care about the Constitution. We're not going to fight to protect our constituents and do what we are constitutionally required to do. We're going to let you bring that Iranian treaty before Congress for a strict." up or down vote by majority and if the treaty is voted down which it was in the House of Representatives if it's down in both the House and the Senate 
you will then be able to veto that vote. And it'll take two-thirds of both houses of the Congress to override it. Two-thirds of the Congress to override it. Article 1, Section 7, which says that the President of the United States can veto legislation passed by Congress. And if the veto is, is done, two-thirds of the House and Senate must vote to override the veto. It doesn't say anything about overriding a negative vote. Basically, Mitch McConnell and John Boehner and the other leadership in the Republicans in the House and Senate told Obama that they were going to unilaterally amend or allow him to amend Article 1, Section 7 of the Constitution to do something totally unprecedented. And that was to put legislation, specifically a treaty, before Congress and allow Obama to veto a negative vote. Now, what does that mean going down the road? Well, basically, here's the situation. Obama can now, if he wants to, bring before the Congress proposal law outlaw and say the private ownership of firearms. That law would not be passed by either House or Congress. But if he proposes it in the same way he did the Iranian treaty, as a negative vote only, then he can say, if you vote against this law, I will veto it. Veto your vote, not the law, but your vote. Because that's what he did with the Iranian treaty. He was allowed to veto the vote. I will veto your vote and put the law into effect anyway. It will take two-thirds of both houses of the Congress to override it. Basically, that's what Obama's been saying about the U.S. Small Arms Treaty ever since they signed it. They have been saying that the Constitution doesn't really mean what it says. That... Obama can sign a treaty, implement that treaty, enforce that treaty, and the only way it can be stopped is for two-thirds of the Senate to vote to stop it. Not to ratify it to begin with, but to vote to stop it, which they figure will never happen with the Democrats in the Senate, all who are walking around going, Heil Obama, Heil Obama. So that's how dangerous this precedent is. And that's what we're looking at right now. Very dangerous situation. And next year is just going to be worse, I'm afraid, ladies and gentlemen. I'm afraid we're looking at unconstitutional executive orders coming out right and left. And a Congress that doesn't seem to be willing or able to do anything. I mean, the Iranian treaty didn't even come to a vote in the United States Senate because of this cloture rule, which Harry Reid would, would invoke, you know, or get rid of any time he wanted to for Obama. And that's the, the rule that requires 60 senators to vote to bring something before the United States Senate. So he, so Mitch McConnell allowed that to happen with the Iranian Treaty. So there was never even a vote by the Senate 
on whether or not to support the treaty or not. So Obama didn't have to veto anything. So again, we just have one win after another. Hate to be so negative, but I'm concerned. And I hope you'll continue to listen to this show next week and into next year. Encourage your friends to listen. Go to my website at www.michaelconnelly, C-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y, C-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y, dot jigsy, J-I-G-S-Y dot com. There you can read my blog articles. I've posted one my traditional Christmas article about my father's unit during World War II. Uh, a lot of people tell me it brings tears to their eyes. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, go take a look at it. It really brings into focus what our men and women in the military have done to protect us and protect our, our right to celebrate Christmas. You can also go to usjf.net, and you can see what we're doing at the United States Justice Foundation. We just prepared file another brief on Second Amendment issues just the other day, and we've got a lot of stuff going. If you're a veteran and you are being having your rights threatened, Contact me directly at Michael at USJF, which the United States Justice Foundation, Michael at USJF, mail, M-A-I-L dot net. You go to my website, you can look at the books, you can find out how to order copies of my Constitution, our Constitution, and you can also order copies of the Mortarman, which is a book about my dad's unit during World War II. If you read that blog article I posted, you'll get a little touch of what you're going to see in the book. And also my patriotic novel on the alien story of America, which, by the way, is doing quite well as an e-book, as is a Mortarman. If you're into e-books, you can order both of those uh, through Amazon or Barnes & Noble or really any place that sells books. I want everybody to... Have a very Merry Christmas and a safe Christmas. Enjoy your time with your families. Be blessed. And continue to thank God that we still live in a free country at this point. And let's prepare to keep fighting for that country. God bless you all. I look forward to talking to you again next week. You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.